Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially, Grace, Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. And I have a mic, but I am not a millennial, and I am not a her. I am Toby Leary sitting in for Grace Curley. Hopefully, she will be back soon, and uh, we'll take your calls in this hour, 844-500-4242. Sean, you've been on hold for a while, so we'll go straight to the phones. How are you today? Hey, Toby. I'm great. Good job filling in out of the bullpen today. Thanks. Thank you. Hey, um, so I I went and got uh, the basic firearm training with live fire to get my LTC back in November, and the instructor told the class that the, rule, the law had changed where a prohibited person is now anyone that's been convicted of a crime punishable by more than a year in jail. Is that correct? And if not, if it is, where can I go to see where what a prohibited person actually is? There seems to be a lot of confusion. The federal crime, if you commit a federal felony that's punishable by a year in jail, you are a prohibited person. Most people are convicted on state charges in a state threshold in most states is two years but massachusetts um has a i'm sorry most states a felony is two and a half years or more but massachusetts has this what we call a misdemeanor, where uh it's still a misdemeanor but it carries a two and a half year sentence so therefore you are a prohibited person so the definition of felony is a little bit different for fed federal and and state um, so that's where that is. But if you're being convicted of a crime in Massachusetts that's punishable uh, by under two and a half years in, in jail, then you would not be a federally prohibited person. Uh, if you commit a felony federally that's punishable by a, over a year, um, then yes, you would be a prohibited person. So hopefully that clears it up. I, most people aren't charged federally most people are charged state you know by their state that they live in um so that's really where the difference is uh sean so hopefully that clears it up but yeah it's it's always clear as mud and uh a lot of people who have had issues in the past you know maybe in their teens late teens early 20s and now they're 40 50 years old they're applying for a license to carry and there's these things that are lingering on their record that have always prohibited them prior to the Bruin mandate, which uh, said that you can't uh, arbitrarily uh, deny people their license to carry. It has to be that they are a federally prohibited person. And so now there's all these people trying to apply for their license. And in some cases, if they were convicted of a crime, never did a day in jail, but it was a felony that was punishable by more than two and a half years, they're, they're prohibited people. So it, it, it's created a mess. And uh, frankly, I think that once you've pay your, paid your debt to society, or if it's a nonviolent crime, I don't see why your rights are stripped forever. It doesn't make any sense. But anyway, uh, that's what we got to look forward to and live with in this state, in this country, trying to claw our rights back. And by all means, I'm not in favor of violent criminals getting guns. Uh, but I am in favor of people who've uh, been a 
a positive, um, you know, contributor to society for 20, 30 years that screwed up when they were a teenager or an early 20, and they shouldn't be prohibited. They can still do everything else in society. But John, you're next on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, John. Yeah, hi, Toby. Uh, the question is kind of along the lines of your last caller. I was I had a DUI when I was 18. Mm-hmm. Now I'm in my 50s. It was almost 40 years ago. And I can't remember if I was convicted. I have no paperwork or if I pled, if, if I pled no contest. Is there a difference? Uh, yes, I believe there is a difference. Uh, well, I don't know. Honestly, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't want to give you bad advice. But there's also a difference if it was old enough that the first offense was two years. I think in ninety early 90s, it changed. The law changed um, to, to make, a, make it two and a half years. So there's people who've been convicted of a first offense OUI that are not a prohibited person because at the time, the state conviction was two, you know, two, and a, two years, not two and a half. So it's a true misdemeanor, so you would be eligible to get it. So I would, I would just call the court and try to figure it out and find out what the outcome of it, because a lot of people also plea it down to like continued without a finding or, or something like that. And those people are eligible. So it's not about being charged. It's about being convicted. So you definitely want to look into that, John. So um, I would check with the courts and find out when it was and what the, um, what, what it potentially could have carried for a sentence. And ironically, um, and thanks for the call, John, uh, ironically, a first offender in an OUI loses their license for whatever it is, 100, 180 days. I forget the number, 90 days. I can't remember. Then they get their driver's license back, right? (laughs) So they do a little driver retraining or a class or go without their license. They actually get the thing back that they originally offended on within a year, within way under a year, uh, might be a half a year, might be a quarter of a year, but they get it back. But all of a sudden, no, you can never exercise your right to keep and bear arms ever again. And if you're saying, well, that person lacks the judgment and the character to do that, then uh, you know, I think you need to look at a lot of people and what else does that disqualify you for in life. And I'm, again, not advocating drunk driving in any way, shape, or form. I, I think it's ridiculous and no one should ever do it. Um, but the bottom line is there's people who do it and unknowingly plea out to it because it's the path of least resistance. They know they're never going to do a day in jail. They pay a fine. They get their license back, go on with their life. And then years later, want to exercise their right to keep and bear arms. And nope, can't do that. And I don't see that anywhere in our nation's uh, text of the Second Amendment, our nation's history or tradition, where you can categorically deny somebody their right for the rest of their life based on a nonviolent conviction or a nonviolent felony. Um, and I know some people make the argument that OUI is a vi- act of violence because you could potentially maim and kill and injure people. And I'd say I would agree to a certain extent, except if they did charge them with manslaughter, charge them with second degree murder, charge them with premeditated first degree murder, right? That There's already laws on the books to deal with that. 
This has nothing to do with guns. It shouldn't ever have anything to do with guns, and it should be left off. Just like you can't deny somebody their right to go to church or their right to vote or their right to— and I know some states do have felony uh, felonies that prohibit people from voting, um, but that— um, you know, is is being looked at. I know Virginia just reversed decision on that. And uh, so long story short, a lot for the courts to work out. The bottom line is um, we have a clear mandate from the Supreme Court on how to deal with these cases. And people are just ignoring it. The The legislatures and lower courts are, are ignoring it in some cases. But we have a lot going on. There's four cases before the Supreme Court right now challenging an assault weapons ban like the one we have in Massachusetts. And uh, that's going to affect, I think, eight or ten states, including District of Columbia. And that that remains to be seen what happens. But if the Supreme Court grants certiorari for one of these cases, then it becomes the law of the land nationally. And I know that's what states hate, right? They hate being told by the the Supreme Court, what they have to do. Like, Caetano is a landmark Supreme Court ruling that came from Massachusetts. It was about stun guns, and the the court ruled in that case that stun guns are common and in ordinary use because there was 200,000 of them in use in the nation. And so they said because it is in common and ordinary use under the Heller precedent that was set in 2008, then you can't ban them. So Massachusetts all of a sudden made it a licensed thing for stun guns. But the bottom line is they had to, you had to be able to own them in some way, shape, or form in the state of Massachusetts thanks to a landmark Supreme Court ruling. Uh, But they don't like it when the Supreme Court rules, this is unconstitutional what you've done, get it right, fix it, and, and that's exactly where we find ourselves now in history. All these states have to do it, but... I digress. We'll go on to uh, other subjects because I want to save some of this for uh, 2A Tuesday. But um, 844-500-4242. Obviously, I, I like talking about gun stuff. It's my passion. I'm a gun guy. I own a gun store and that's my wheelhouse. But I wanted to point out something that was all across social media today and uh, real quick before the break. And it was uh, Stair Force One. Did you see that on Twitter? The uh, <laughs> It was basically installing the stair lift on on Air Force One for for our president to be able to safely get on board Air Force One without uh, he had a little misstep yesterday. It looked like he was going to go down hard, and but he recovered real quick, fortunately for him. And uh, but it would be probably a good move for us to install the the stair genie on Air Force One so he could safely get in there. And uh, he has been the first president, I think, in history to be found incompetent to stand trial, uh, basically in this classified documents case, right? The, 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 the staff, his staff brought him and locked him in the garage. And I guess if you consider a cardboard box behind the Corvette locked, then it was locked. And it was all his staff, Jared. It was, you know, he had nothing to do with it. That's all, you know, and I don't remember any of this stuff. He's senile anyway. And, and uh, that's why they chose not to charge him. But it's unbelievable the world we live in. 844-500-4242 is the number. We'll be right back. This is The Grace Curley Show. And all of us here at The Grace Curley Show and the Howie Car Network 
love our Omaha steaks. I actually had some uh, last week. It was great. I had the uh, bacon wrap fillets for Valentine's Day. Love their hot dogs, the all beef franks. I love their chicken. I'm really into their chicken lately and their pork because, like I say, if you if you haven't had the Omaha steaks, chicken and pork, and you've just had like supermarket chicken and pork, you don't really know what chicken and pork are supposed to taste like. The difference in quality is amazing. And the difference in price point is great, too, because uh, I don't know if you've been to the grocery store lately, but Bidenflation is not going anywhere. And this is the best time to take advantage of Omaha Steaks because it's the 50% off semi-annual sale. It is here. You get 50% off site-wide on mouthwatering favorites. Anything you get, 50% off. Go to omahasteaks.com grace and shop the semi-annual sale where you can load up on all the delicious flavors you crave for half the price. Tender, juicy, butcher's cut filet mignons, mouthwatering pure ground burgers, comfort classics, easy to prepare meals, perfect for those busy weekday nights. Plus, as an added bonus, you will get eight free Omaha Steaks burgers on select packages when you shop at omahasteaks.com slash grace. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. Endless flavor and endless value on incredible entrees, scrumptious sides, Decadent desserts and more. The caramel apple tartlets are fantastic. I recommend you get those. They're great. I love them. You put them in the toaster oven or in the oven for, you know, about 15, 18 minutes, and they are just mm, chef's kiss. All of these, everything I talked about, go to the site because you can get 50% off during the semi-annual sale, and every bite is backed by their 100% unconditional guarantee. Visit Omaha Steaks dot com slash grace and get eight free omaha steak burgers with select packages when you shop the semi-annual sale hurry because this deal won't last long that's omahasteaks.com slash grace you're listening to the grace curly show This is the Grace Curley Show. Welcome back to the Grace Curley Show. It is time for the poll question, Jared. Whether residential, commercial, or land, JJ Manning can get your property sold now. To learn more on how to get your property sold quickly and contingency free, contact Charlie Gill at 800 521 0111 or jjmanning.com. With over 16,000 sales and satisfied clients, you can be the next one. What is the poll question today, and what are the results, Jared? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurlyshow.com, is Donald Trump mentioned his VP shortlist. If you were advising him, who would you tell him to pick? Ron DeSantis, Byron Donalds, Tulsi Gabbard, Christy Nome, Vivek Ramaswamy, or Tim Scott? I think I'm going to stick with my original vote of Vivek Ramaswamy because I would love to see the debate between him and Kamala Harris. (laughs) (laughs) Although Christy Noem, Tulsi Gabbard, they'd all be a good pick. So flip a coin, make a wish upon a star. I don't know. So anyway. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard and Christy Noem are tied for the Mm -hmm. lead at 22%. Wow. 18% for Ron DeSantis, 15%. For Vivek, 14% for Tim Scott, and 8% for Byron Donald. So pretty close race. Like you said, they're all great choices. Yeah, and uh, so the the masses of the great Grace Curley show want a woman. And like uh, 
Letitia James says, if you want something done, you hire a woman. That's right. Yep, that was uh, what she had to say about getting it done. She campaigned on coming after Donald Trump and she's getting it done. And by the way, uh, we're going to see a mass exodus, I predict, out of New York City as far as businesses are concerned. And she says she's not worried about that. Not worried at all. Because tourism is still up, Jared. And those aren't tourists. Those are, FYI. Those, those buses are not tour buses. Where's your other hand? Those aren't pillows. <laughs> this is, uh, those aren't tourists. I see buses coming in every day. Right. Tourism's great. Tourism is up. And we're just going to hand out some $10,000 gift cards to these tourists. Uh, no questions asked. No vetting. And I saw Howie tweeted yesterday, can I get me one of them gift cards? You know, like, yeah, we should have we should have a bus. We should become a tour bus. We should have some tour bus trips to the Big Apple. Although, I don't know if it's the risk is worth the reward. Uh, you know, you might end up, we might have to get some bulletproof vests uh, in order to head in. I, I saw the police trying to arrest someone from one of the detention centers or migrant shelters. And I thought a full-on riot was about to break out. You see the police, there was four or five police officers there. And one woman officer uh, gets a big like item. It looked like a chair or a bag or something off the head, causes her to pull out the retractable baton. And they're all sitting there. And, but people are whipping water bottles at them. Talk about... Looking a gift horse in the mouth, huh? I mean, you just, we let the people in the country, we welcome them open arms, flood the southern border, truck them up to New York. About to give them a $10,000 gift card, but instead they're ready to riot. And it's just madness. We've we've created this environment, we've fostered this uh, situation where it's getting out of hand quick. It's spiraling out of control. And I think that, Businesses are going to flee. We already we talked off the air a little while ago about um, Remington, two uh, hundred and something year old con- company, is headed out. They've seen enough. They're heading down to Georgia. Um, sad when I see a company like Remington, which has employed hundreds of thousands of people over hundreds of years, and is you know, almost in the fabric of our nation's history in so many ways, now leaving due to the political climate and the cost of doing business in that state breaks my heart. Also, I just saw on uh, Twitter that Grant Cardone, uh, some of you might see him pop up in your feed like I do all the time, is a real estate investor in New York City as well as other places. He's a huge real estate developer. He was on like Undercover Billionaire and all that. But he has basically told his team, no more deals in New York. We are putting our pencils down. We're going to concentrate on Florida. We're going to concentrate on Texas due to the political climate, what's going on there. The fact that they're willing to take you to court and charge you, that he says the the benefits don't outweigh the risks. It's it's a lost cause. So they're they're fleeing. Um, you, you're you're going to see this with lots of businesses. Uh, you're seeing it in Southern California. They're just mass exodus 
and it's sad, but it's the way it's going to go. 844-500-4242 is the number for The Grace Curley Show. I'm Toby Leary. We'll be right back. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Welcome back to the Grace Curley Show. I've had a great time with you today so far, and it's not over yet. So if you want to be on the line with me, 844-500-4242 is the number, or text CURLY to 617-213-1066. And we had a texter earlier that corrected my uh, faux pas, my Freudian slip, uh, when I (laughs) was referring to Fannie Willis as Fannie Mae, uh, which is the mortgage arm of the, you know, whatever, uh, federal government, if you will, uh, one of the programs they administer. And, um, so I apologize for that. Thank you for correcting me because, you know, sometimes the Freudian slips can occur even at my young fit prime of life age that I am in. So I do sometimes show signs of wear and tear on my (laughs) days upon the earth. And uh, so that's what I have to look forward to, more of that. But anyway, um, and also we had a texter that was asking about uh, a particular Canic. Yeah, Canic Meta. Meta. Yep. MC9. MC9. Yeah, I like it. It's a great gun. It got added to the roster in the last roster move here in Massachusetts. Um, Canic has really upset the apple cart in a lot of ways. And a lot of companies are following suit now. They're made in Turkey, but they come with a great trigger and a lot of bang for the buck, so to speak. So you get, in a lot of cases, a holster, multiple um, magazines. You get a bunch of sight options and and uh, they're cut for red dot optics, cleaning kit, hard case, lock, everything. So it comes with a bunch of stuff. So uh, you get a lot of value and a great, great trigger right out of the box. Uh, a lot of people love it. And that smaller version of the Meta that's available now in mass is is a great is a great addition to the roster, which is something that we have to comply with that is completely unconstitutional. Going all the way back to 2008, where the Heller case said, um, if a gun is in common and ordinary use, guess what? You can't ban it. And... Uh, we we just talked about the Caetano case set that threshold at two hundred thousand, saying that's in you know plenty or I think it was twenty thousand actually uh, set the threshold of common and ordinary use, and we have like forty million AR-15s in this country. But I digress. Let's go to the calls. Uh, Mark, you're up next on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Mark. Okay. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk with you. Um, I, I, I got a catalog. Uh, I, I, they mailed me a catalog from Night, Nighthawk Customs mm. Handguns. Speaking my Have love language. <laughs> are they, uh, I, 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 what do you think of them? I think they are awesome, and they are phenomenal guns. They're not for the faint of heart. They are an extremely expensive gun, but it's a company that takes technology and tradition and blends them, I would say, perfectly. I've been down to their factory twice. They make every part in-house except for springs. 
They make slides, yeah. frames, magazines now, uh, all the little parts and pieces all milled out of a solid billet. And then they have one gunsmith manufacture the gun or, or hand fit it together. It doesn't go down an assembly line. They are given the kit of parts as it comes off the mill. They hand fit it all together and make it incredible tolerances. And then it goes out for finish and everything else in the final assembly and it gets shipped out. And in doing that, they have extremely high quality control. Very few guns ever come back for for service and they have a lifetime warranty on all of their guns. And I am a huge fan. Uh, I love them. There's several available here in Massachusetts. And um, yeah, you can't go wrong. If you got the money and the budget and you want a good heirloom quality firearm that you're going to shoot a lot and don't have to worry about breaking, that's the one to get. It is top of the food chain. I, um, I'm looking at a, a revolver rather than a uh, 1911 style. Yeah, so the revolvers, and, uh, I, sorry to interrupt you, Mark. I'll let you talk in one sec. But the revolvers come from Germany. They're Korth. I met the uh, owner of the company uh, a couple of years ago at SHOT Show and reconnected with him this year at SHOT Show. Very excellent guy. And they are the revolvers. What what Nighthawk is to 1911s, they are to revolvers. Incredible company. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. They have one that uh, will take a three fifty seven, mm-hmm. a thirty eight, which is the same size bullet. but And then they also have a cylinder that it'll come with. It'll take a nine millimeter. I never heard of such a thing, but I guess it's—I guess there's a possibility, huh? Yes, it's amazing. Normal? Yeah, <laughs> that, that's normal for them. They, every one of their revolvers, you press a button on the side, the whole cylinder comes right off, and uh, you can get it with a nine millimeter conversion cylinder. And they actually have a patented design so that you don't even need moon clips. You can get it with moon clips for the nine millimeter cylinder, or you can just use this detent system that they have so it'll eject the rimless cartridge when you eject it it's fascinating technology uh german engineering at its finest so uh yeah the i have a korth in stock right now at our shop if you want to come down and take a peek at it but yeah just an an amazing an amazing gun lifetime warranty on those as well nighthawk imports them and they they warranty them so you can't go wrong uh with either one of those, Mark, um, you're looking in the right direction. Just be prepared to uh, bring some money because <laughs> they're not cheap. But you get what you pay for in this case, right? Uh, it's quality over quantity. So thanks for the call. Um, Darren, you're next on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Darren. Yes, how you doing? So my question is, obviously when these states have these bans, it must do quite a bit of damage in sales to the manufacturers. And once the laws are changed to the Supreme Court, how come these manufacturers don't sue for damages? You know, because violating the Second Amendment, you know, is the highest land of the law, but yet they'll continue to, you know, add additional laws if there's nothing that's going to stop them. But if the states are looking at a potential lawsuit where they could potentially get sued for billions, Mm. maybe that'll encourage these states not to try to put bans on that will ultimately be overturned in the Supreme Court. I've never heard of a state, I mean, of a manufacturer suing a state. Um, I think that there might be some issues of, you know, uh, they might not have the proper standing, if you will, uh, because there's no quote-unquote harmed party 
it's a theoretical, hypothetical situation that you aren't able to sell guns in that state due to their laws. It usually comes down to a person who's injured or harmed. And right now there's actually a lawsuit in front of Massachusetts that is a, I believe it's a Nagger case. Um, no, I'm sorry. It's a Firearms Policy Coalition case. And it is challenging our approved weapons roster and the attorney general's regulations. This has been tried before in court in Massachusetts and the state has always, uh, the state uh, laws have always been upheld prior to the Bruin decision, which really points towards text, history, and tradition uh, when it comes to gun laws. And so the FPC resurrected this case after the Bruin decision and the district court um, dismissed it, and the Massachusetts Superior Court has reinstated it in light of the Bruin decision. So uh, that case will be going forward, so that's something to watch. But I don't know if manufacturers can sue personally um, like that uh, in that way. Uh, I think there always has to be a harmed party, if you will, and it has to be uh, a real harm, not a theoretical or potential harm. So... Um, but they do have lobbyists that advocate down at, at the state house every day, week in, week out for us here in Massachusetts. So their money is going towards helping us make the world a better place as far as uh, the rights, our, our rights are concerned. So hopefully that answers your question, Darren. And uh, I appreciate the call. 844-500-4242. We're turning this into rapid fire hour here, but uh, that's okay. That's uh, that's my wheelhouse. Uh, Greg, you're next on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Greg. Hi. I'm from New Hampshire with a mass uh, non-resident license to carry. Sure. And I'm, I'm wondering, can I carry a non-compliant gun in Massachusetts? Yes, as long as it doesn't have a high-capacity magazine. So you are going to be held to our low standard and low capacity and uh, communist <laughs> uh, dictation of magazine capacity, which is, by the way, a protected arm under the Second Amendment. So uh, we also have a magazine capacity ban case that is pending in the state of Massachusetts. Uh, it lost in district court and it's headed to the appeals court. So uh, we can watch that. But you can um, carry any gun you own. Uh, as long as it doesn't meet the definition of an assault weapon or have a high-capacity magazine in it, Greg. And that goes for anyone in Massachusetts, too. That's not just the lucky, freedom-loving, freedom-living, live-free-or-die state of New Hampshire who come here. It's the residents of Massachusetts as well. And a lot of times we get very confused because our laws are so arbitrary and confusing to begin with. I've had people bring guns in that they inherited or they moved here from out of state with and try to turn them in or or sell them to me at a gun shop, say, I can't have this gun because it's not on the approved weapons roster. That's not true. You can own whatever handgun you want in this state if you bring it here or you get it through private transfer or you inherited it, even if it's not on our approved weapons roster. So yeah, you can absolutely carry. Um, but you've jumped through a lot of hoops in order to obtain that license to carry, Greg. And uh how long did it take you to get it when you applied? Well, well, I've had it for like 23 years, but this last time it took eight months. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. I, I, even though the license says high capacity on it, I can't carry 
high capacity, that's bizarre. Well, you can actually, if the magazine was manufactured prior to 1994, September 13th, 1994. So if you have what we call a pre-ban magazine that was manufactured prior to that date, then you can carry a high-capacity magazine. And again, this is so arbitrary. This is so confusing. And there's something called uh, the rule of lenity that should defer to the the defendant if you were ever to carry a high-capacity gun in this state. Uh, the, the fact that your license says high capacity should be enough to knock this out of the park in court. But the problem is there's tons of people that face felonies every day in this state because they have a post-ban high-capacity magazine in their possession. I talk to lawyers who defend them all the time, and uh, unfortunately, that's the state we live in. So I would say limit your gun to 10 rounds unless you can, unless you know it's a pre-ban uh you know, pre-94, uh, and <laughs> it's crazy. But you're, you've been hard at it for 23 years. I, apolo- I apologize to the way my state has treated you and your right to keep and bear arms, uh, but I think that help is on the way, and I do believe that some things will be changing. Uh, we've had a couple of cases. One is the Jack Jones case by the—he uh, was the Patriots player there that got caught with a gun at the airport— and uh, we also had that other case in the Lowell District Court that got thrown out because um, a New Hampshire resident was ca- caught carrying a gun unlicensed in the state of Mass. And that district court judge really knocked it out of the park when he said, just because you cross state lines doesn't mean you surrender your birthright as an American or surrender your civil liberties or your civil rights. And he pointed out that there's a play, you know, if you're in the Pheasant Lane Mall shopping, and you're carrying a gun and you're legally able to carry a gun in New Hampshire and you walk into a certain part of the mall, you cross the state line into Massachusetts, you didn't just violate your your rights. You didn't just surrender your rights by walking into a different end of the mall. And the same is true, you know, with all of your enumerated rights. You, if you go to California on vacation, you can still go to church there. You still have the right to protest. You still have the right to uh, free speech. You still have the protections of the Fourth Amendment against unlawful searches and seizures. You still have Fifth Amendment uh, protection against self-incrimination if you get pulled over in a traffic stop. So it's just amazing how we collectively lose our mind uh, when it comes to the Second Amendment. But uh, real quick, before the break, I know we got to go, uh, 7.2 million illegals entered under in the U.S. under the Biden administration uh, Elon Musk put this out on Twitter, or X, and he said, uh, that is an amount greater than 36 states. If you combine all the population of these 36 states, it's less than 7.2 million people. So that's how many people have entered our country under the Biden administration. And it's more than the population of 36 states combined. (laughs) That is unbelievable. Let that sink in uh, for a minute if you don't think we're under attack. But... 844-500-4242. I'm Toby Leary sitting in for Grace Curley, and we'll be right back with the car crossover. The captain will be in the house, or at least on the airwaves. Uh, we'll be at, back after this. Follow Grace on Twitter at G underscore Curley.
This is The Grace Curley Show. I want to thank everyone for giving me their afternoon. I'm Toby Leary, and I, you can follow me at Cape Gunworks and at Rapid Fire Radio if you want to give me a like and a share and a follow and a comment and a subscribe or whatever you do, wherever you do it. I would greatly appreciate it. And I'm joined now with the captain himself, Howie Carr. How are you today, Howie? I'm great, Toby. Thanks for uh, filling in. My pleasure, as always. And uh, I'm sure you got a great show. I didn't get to half the stuff I wanted to talk talk about. It's like a news smorgasbord, as usual. And uh, one of the things that was on my stack was the mayor of Kansas City says, you're a racist, Howie, if you want to see the mugshots of the shooters from the parade. I always want to see mugshots. I don't care if they're <laughs> white or black. You know, it's uh, as these some of these newspapers, like the the Sun Sentinel in Fort Lauderdale, have done away with them doing the mugshots. I, I would say sales have probably plummeted because they used to run them on Friday, and it was great. And people would buy the paper and laugh, and you know, like look over at one. Uh, Did you see this one of this here guy? You know, with the tattoo on his face. <laughs> you know. I mean, you have to sell newspapers, and and how I, I love these these uh, descriptions from the police. Police, uh, there was a carjacking today on uh, Commonwealth Avenue. Police were looking for a man in a black jacket. Right. Oh yeah. You don't say <laughs> in a black jacket, huh? Narrows it down. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. It's absurd. It really. You is. know, and you you don't even you can't even call them thugs anymore. Oh. You know. I know plenty of white thugs. Of course, of course. I don't care what color they are. If they are committing crimes, I want them behind bars and don't right. let them out ever. Like, lock them away for as long as the law allows. Don't let them out on their personal recognizance or good behavior. Uh, there's no reason for them to be wandering the streets to reoffend. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the whole thing. All these, especially these illegal aliens in, in all the big cities, including Boston, they're they're all getting out of personal recognizance and they don't get they, they don't get, uh, you know, given any kind of bail until, you know, until they kill somebody. By the way, you know, you want to talk about extinct professions, bail bondsmen. Mm. Are there any bail bondsmen left? Because there's no more bail. So you don't need to get bail. You don't need to go to a bondsman to get bail because they just give you personal recognizance. And it's not for any lack of criminals. That's for dang sure. There's plenty of them wandering the streets. That's for sure. Have a great show, Howie. Okay. Thanks, Toby Leary. Uh, I'm Toby Leary. I'll see you next time. 